This morning, uh, you can open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're really not going to spend much time there, but that's where we're going to start. Um, I think that most of us uh, know that we sin. Uh, we, we, we don't question that. I, I think that it's pretty clear to us that sin is in the world and that we are sinners. Uh, but most of the time, it's kind of a joke, right? It's not that important. It's just a, a little sin or a little white lie or a little something. Um, we rarely see sin as, uh, as it truly is. Um, as, uh, as you think about uh, your life and the things that you're struggling with, uh, are you struggling with sin? Are you struggling against sin? Are you identifying it in your life? And are you running from it and running to our gracious Savior? Uh, how are you dealing with sin? Um, that's really what we're going to be talking about this morning. Um, in, in the Bible, in First Peter, and I'm thankful last week uh, I took the week off and uh, just kind of wandered around here and even shoveled a little snow, and I didn't have anything to do. I felt nervous, but uh, not for obvious reasons, because my son was preaching. But um, I was so thankful for his message and uh, the, the idea of abiding, uh, abiding in the vine, the true vine, and uh, so encouraged. And uh, if you're struggling with intimacy with Christ, maybe you should go back and listen uh, to that message, uh, not because my son is great, but because the word of God is eternal, eternally great and willing. And so uh, this morning, I, what I want to do is I want to talk about, we, we ended up two weeks ago in, in the book of First Peter, and uh, we, we didn't spend enough time talking about this, but I, I, I wanted to share with you a little bit about the, the precious lamb the precious Lamb of Scripture. And so uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 13, uh, going down through verse 19, and we're really focusing on 18 and 19 this morning. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, uh, set your uh, hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, uh, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. God, we ask your blessing on your words to us today, and I pray that as we go through them that you would um, turn our hearts to worship your son Jesus that we would uh, get a clear picture of the price that you paid to free us from our sins. And God, may we see sin in its proper uh, perspective, as well as the gift of your Son and our relationship with Him. God, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. (sighs) 
What was it like the first time you butchered an animal? Sad to say that some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. So uh, some of you know my history. Uh, I grew up in Santa Barbara, big butchering town. Uh, um, But I grew up uh, with a German farm boy as a dad. Uh, He loved it. He loved it. And so we had... We had animals, goats, chickens, and rabbits, and uh, just a few in Santa Barbara. This is a funny thing. And so uh, uh, I grew up with that, and uh, we didn't do any major butchering, but chickens and rabbits from time to time uh, would uh, be butchered, and then we'd eat them. And uh, yeah, it was part of growing up for me in Santa Barbara. Uh, my my boys have experienced that too, uh, uh, both at our house, and we've uh, bought some... Uh, cows uh, for uh, steaks and such, uh, and so uh, we've seen that as well as uh, we've uh, butcher, been a part of butchering a pig. I, I think the thing that uh, is interesting about butchering, and so, some of you are getting queasy me just talking about it this morning, you have a tough time even cutting up chicken uh, from the store, um, you're like a more of a chicken nugget type person, uh, but uh the reason I bring that up, one of the things that's so startling, and I, I think that everyone who's uh, been around butchering, uh, a couple of things. First of all, that life is gone. That life is gone. It goes, uh, the animal's alive, and then they're not. Then they're not. And the second thing that's always interesting to me, uh, fascinating, startling, is just how much blood is involved, how messy it is. Um, this morning, uh, we are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that because it's a picture of Scripture. Uh, a picture that the Scripture from beginning to end talks about. And not just uh, in a way for food, where there, there is an element to that, but uh, how Jesus himself is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain. And that he is this special lamb for us. And so I'd like to take you through the scriptures this morning. Um, If you're an animal lover and you say that animals should not be killed, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, But there's sin in the world. There's sin in the world. And we're going to put those two things together uh, this morning. Let's start uh, in the book of Genesis if you will, in uh, Genesis chapter 3. I, I have the scriptures up on slides. Uh, Kenny, are we going to be able to do that? Okay, uh, why don't you start with the first one in Genesis chapter 3. Um, and, and what I want to share with you, so in our passage, we're, we're in the book of First Peter, and in First Peter it says, there was precious blood, there was precious blood like a lamb that wasn't uh, in any way blemished, and that that blood, that blood was spilled for a, a simple reason, an important reason, but a simple reason, that sinners, they're calling my name, sinners, that, that's me and you, that, that, that's who we are, that sinners like us would be set free from our sins and cleansed, but it would be at the cost of this precious lamb. This precious lamb, his blood spilled for us. We've been singing about that this morning, okay? 
I want to point something out to you. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it said, uh, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. That's all we got. That's all we got. Uh, and if you know that it's in Genesis, Genesis, the book of beginnings, Genesis chapter 3, the beginning of the beginning, right? Uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, really creation, creation, and going straight from creation, sin enters the world. Sin enters the world, and we, we have no connection, we have no uh, background story, but once sin enters the world, some animal dies immediately. Immediately. It says they were naked and unashamed in chapter 2, but now in chapter 3, after sin enters the world, an animal dies. And we don't know uh, any of the details. We don't know uh, if God himself came and butchered this animal before Adam and Eve. We don't know if he said, now look at it. Look at it. This animal is going to die so that you will have clothing. You will be taken care of uh, by this animal, but it will cost this animal his life. This is the first picture we have. And it is the first time uh, we see any results of sin. Uh, It's real simple. You know, if you're following the story of creation, everything's good, everything's good. Sinners of the world, bad stuff starts happening immediately. And you say, well, it's just an animal. Yeah, it was just an animal. But I want to tell you, these animals we're talking about this morning are arrows, are arrows pointing to the Savior. So sin comes and an animal dies. Or an animal pays for that sin. That's my first point. And as you're just kind of keeping track here, I'd, I'd encourage you to bullet point these. Sin comes and an animal pays. The second one... Um, I, I, I didn't put a particular scripture with this, but lambs in the scripture were wealth, were wealth. Uh, as you look at the Old Testament over and over again, it says how many lambs this person had or how many sheep or how many ox or how many goats or, you know, their flocks. And they, they, they counted someone's wealth on how many they had. And and so you think about uh what that was, that was like dollars in their hand. That, that was money. That was something that they would say, I, I will buy that. I'll give you one of my sheep. I will give you one. I'll give you one. It'll be bartering. We'll go back and forth. This is how the business happened. Their wealth, their wealth was marked and measured uh, in the amount of animals they had. And so as you think about this, I, I just want to point it out. Uh, that that was worth something, worth something. Um, it wasn't something that was in the trash heap. Um, it wasn't gophers. How many of you would sacrifice the gophers uh, at your house? You know, you'd sacrifice the gophers at your neighbor's house too. I always think that's so funny when somebody says, I'm going to eradicate my property of gophers. And your neighbor's going, I don't even care, you know. And the gophers get eradicated here, and then they travel over, and they, oh, look, nobody's living over here. Uh, uh, But this is the picture. It wasn't something that was of worth or a pest or a varmint of some sort. It was something of value. 
of value. And so uh, really at the most basic level in the scriptures, you have an animal dying because of sin and knowing that animals were wealth. It was something of value. Brings me to my, my third point that God is the provider. If you turn over to, or you can see it up on the screen, Genesis 22, 8. Uh, and what an amazing story in Genesis chapter 22. It's just so overwhelming uh, to see. And uh, I want to read to you a portion of it. I hope I don't go too long, but I can't promise you anything. And just put your seatbelt on or put your neck pillow on or whatever you got to do. Um, in Genesis 22, uh, what an amazing story. And for those of you who uh, remember that this is uh, the picture of Abraham uh, sacrificing Isaac, his son, his special son. And he knows he's the special son, the, the son of promise. And, um, and so it says that Abraham, uh, God tested him and Abraham was faithful. And he, he was going to the special place where he was going to sacrifice his son. And his son, there's this very interesting, um, I want to pick up the story at verse 5. Genesis chapter 22, verse 5, it says this. He says, Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham uh, took the wood uh, of, of the burnt offering and laid it on his son. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself there. Let me back up. I'm going to read from the beginning of chapter 22. Um, He says, After these things, God tested uh, Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, really meaning that special son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there uh, as a burnt offering. burnt offering on, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey and, and two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and he rose and he went to the place of which God had told him. On the third uh, day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. And then Abraham said to the young men, stay over here with the donkey um, and I and the boy will go over there and worship again and, and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son, Isaac, his son. And he took it in his hand, the fire and the knife, so that they both went with them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, uh, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Are you following the story? Um. He, the son, sons are smart. They're smart. They're, they're following orders. Carry this wood. Do this. Do that. I, I have sons. You know, they don't want to talk about it. They, they, they just want, just give me the simple details. A few words. And so Isaac is doing the, the son thing. He's just obeying his father. He's walking with him. But he, he, he's doing the math here, right? He's doing the math. He goes, we got wood. We got fire sacrifice where is the sacrifice and so he asks his dad he said where is the sacrifice what what's going on here dad and it says in verse 8 Abraham said 
God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they both went on together. And you know, uh, if you've read the story, that uh, Abraham goes ahead. He takes the knife and he comes down and he's stopped by the Lord himself. And, and, the, and the, you see, he stops and he says, not this sacrifice. I will provide. And, and he knew that. Abraham knew that. He didn't understand all the story. We, we don't have any, like, uh, he got any special information other than God can be trusted. And he said, God will provide for himself the sacrifice. This is what God does. He provides for himself the sacrifice. Um, this is in the book of Genesis, in the very beginning, right? Uh, of time and creation and history. And, and we see that God is a provider. He is a provider. He's the provider. Um, and what a picture in Genesis 22, that God uh, would provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering. Um, and so that was the faith that he had. Move over to the next slide, if you would. Um, we have Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. You think through uh, the book, book of Exodus. You have Genesis, you have Exodus. But um, you go through the history. Uh, the end of the book of um, Genesis, you have God's people being gathered together in Egypt. Uh, if you remember Joseph's being sold into slavery, a great famine, uh, Joseph brings his family down to Egypt, takes care of them, is kind to them, even though his father is gone. Uh, Joseph, and, and really in a miraculous sort of way, God multiplies his people into become a great nation within a nation, okay? Uh, God's people are living as slaves and strangers in the land of Egypt, and um, under Pharaoh, and Pharaoh doesn't really like it. There's another Pharaoh, one who doesn't know Joseph. And so in that time, you see that God remembers his people and says, I'm going to act, I'm going to act. And he's going to take his people out of Egypt. And Pharaoh says, no, you're not going to go. And God responds to Pharaoh's great question, who is God? Who is God? Um, That's a bad way to start out. Uh, some declaration is, who is God that he should do this to me? Uh, You shouldn't ask questions like that. Uh, As Pharaoh asked of Moses, who is God? Um, God answered with 10 plagues. And the last one being the plague of the firstborn. And the plague of the firstborn uh, came about that uh, God would take... He would take all the and, and kill all the firstborn of every household, and he would, and it would be protected by this, by this, this right here. Then Moses called to the elders of Israel and said to them, "Go uh, and sell lambs for yourselves uh, according to your clans, and kill them for the Passover lamb." You look at that and you go, "That begins." This picture once again, and they they would put the blood on, on the doorposts, and and it would be a marking to them that they were following after God, that they were protected with Him, they are in relationship with Him. But you, you look at it again, and you think about your own house, and didn't you ladies like to decorate? 
None of you are responding. It, it, it's, it's disingenuous on your part, you know. Uh, you, uh, how do you like to decorate your house? You know, I really like killing animals and then putting blood on the door. I just think that's pretty welcoming, you know. Uh, it's, it's not what we would choose. It's graphic. It's graphic, isn't it? And you look at this picture of this butchering and sacrificing over and over and over again. And I, I think about how, you know, in the United States of America, oh, it's just too ugly to think about. Oh, I don't, I don't like thinking about it. I don't like thinking about it either. You know what? God doesn't like thinking about your sin either. But he wanted us to know both the value of us, our souls, to him, and also the the uh, the cost of our own sin is the precious blood. You, you look at this, and one of the things that's over and over again, and it's in the First Peter passage, but it's over and over again in the Scripture, is that you don't take the sickly animal. You don't take the one that's not worth anything anyways. Um, you know, you, you the free horse or the free chickens or the free whatever. You got to ask the question, why are they free? Why are they free? It's because they're not worth anything. They're not producing. They're not uh, valuable. They're not healthy. But he says, they, the one that is of value, the one that is uh, perfect, that is the one you sacrifice. And so uh, you see that now Moses calls for the Passover lamb. And the picture there of this whole lamb dying, uh, it's, it's diverting the destruction of that firstborn to the animal, right? The animal takes the penalty where the firstborn would. It, it saves the firstborn, but the lamb's not looking so good, right? Th- this is the picture over and over again, is that the lamb uh, is taking the penalty. The lamb is giving his life. Uh, we see this, and and uh, even in the, the idea of the Passover, God's people were called to remember this over and over and over again. It wasn't that this happened once, but that they were called to remember this Passover lamb over and over again, and animals died continually because of this. And I, I want to bring in a word here. I want to bring in a word, Sacrifice. In the book of Genesis, the earliest time that animal was sacrificed so that the clothing would be for the people. Uh, when you see Abraham and Isaac going up, that, that one that was caught in the thicket was sacrificed so that Isaac would uh, go free. Moses now calls uh, for uh, this sacrifice to continue to go on that each family would do this and they would have this Passover lamb. Now coming to the New Testament, John chapter 1. And uh, it's one of those things that unless you were tuned into it, and I can't picture it being um, very dramatic, that maybe even you would have missed it if you would have been there. But in John chapter 1, verse 29 you have the identification of Jesus. And uh, John the Baptist says this in John chapter 1, verse 29. Is, is it up? Yeah. Uh, it, it says this. 
The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There he is. There he is. And, you know, maybe there were some people talking. Maybe uh, they were confused. But I, I want you to know this, that throughout the Old Testament, God's people had been seeing the picture of the lamb that would be butchered and give his life that people would be able to worship and they would have this remembrance of what had gone on in the past. And they would see this over and over and over again. And so it wasn't so foreign to them. Uh, have you pet, have you seen a little lamb? Have you seen one? Uh, you know, there's a lot of animals that are super ugly when they're born and afterwards, right? Baby lamb is amazing, amazing. We had some friends uh, when we were up in Petaluma that um, they came up to Petaluma. They lived in the city down in the LA area. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And they said, we want to go see some lambs, <laughs> some sheep. And I heard it like, do you know any places? And, yeah, I guess we do. You know, we, and they would drive out and they would look for it because it's so fascinating to see this beautiful lamb. But the picture here is this. Are you getting the picture? That this beautiful, perfect little lamb give his life. Uh, I won't even really say he gave his life, right? His life was taken. His life was taken. Uh, and that was for another. And so now John the Baptist looks upon him and says, there he is. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. Uh, you look at even the way it said, he's the Lamb, but he's God's Lamb. He's God's Lamb. And even as it was for Abraham and, and Isaac, where Abraham said to his son, he said, you know, son, uh, God will provide for himself. He will take care of the sacrifice. And as John pointed to uh, Jesus, he said, there he is. That's God's lamb. And, and there he is right there. And he came for a purpose. What was the purpose? The sin of the world. The sin of the world. Yours and mine. I'll just connect to what I was talking about in my intro. Sin's a big deal. Sin's a big deal. Sin's driven by our own selfishness and pride. There's implications. There's domino ripple effects, if you will. You know, uh, I think often, you know, uh, Sins of privacy or sins of youth, we think, oh, they don't matter. They don't matter. It doesn't matter how I live. Or maybe even you feel like, not sins of youth, but sins of the aged. Oh, my life doesn't matter anymore. I'm not raising kids. They, people don't see me. No one sees I want to tell you our sin matters because there's a cost to it. There's a cost to it. And as John identified, the cost was that lamb, the lamb that God provided. They take away the sin of the world. So we see now in the New Testament, Jesus is identified as the Lamb of God. Once again, uh, as they would have thought about it, um, when you see a lamb, 
They, they would have seen it as wealth, but they would have also seen, because of those pointers throughout history that had gone, lambs are meant to be sacrificed. It's the Lamb of God. Which brings us, um, number six, First uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and there's a bunch of passages that connect this to us in the New Testament, but that Jesus is our Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, Cleanse, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be, may be a new lump as you are really unleavened. And he says this, For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Our Passover lamb. The one who was in our place. The one who kept, kept us from the death of that comes from the sins that we have produced and done. This is the one. This is the one. Who is it? It's Christ. Uh, he uses the, the identification of Christ, which is the New Testament equivalent to the Old Testament Messiah, the one that was coming. They were waiting, and we're going to talk about a little bit of that tonight, about waiting for the Messiah to come. And in this passage, it identifies Christ as the one who has come but he came for a purpose. Christ came to be our Passover lamb. Uh, that he has been sacrificed for us. Without him we are guilty like everyone else. It's interesting that um, the, the particular time as uh, theologians, historians have placed the time of Jesus coming into the city and uh, sharing in the, the meal. Uh, uh, it was all around the time of Passover. And undoubtedly, in my mind, that God was connecting all the dots for them. These people who had longed for, for years and been told stories from generation of longing for the Messiah to come. At Passover time, what happens? All these events happen and Jesus goes to the cross. He is sacrificed it's very different, right? Um, lamb doesn't know what he's doing. In fact, one of the other lines from Scripture is a lamb led to slaughter, right? Uh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You're going to be just fine, little lamb, you know, and the next thing they know, life is over, right? Uh, and, and, and you realize that they don't know what's going on. Jesus knew what was going on. And as he came to that time, uh, he takes that amazing picture of the Old Testament Passover lamb and now he gives his life that we might have life sacrificed on our behalf. And the last uh, point of scripture that I want to bring to you, um, actually there's two more, but one in conclusion. But in John chapter 21, we realize that after Jesus has gone to the cross and Peter and he's having this conversation and Peter's discouraged. He's failed over and over again. Uh, I think that uh, when we look at Peter's failings, it's easy to look at them and go, man, he was, he was, you know, he always put his foot in his mouth. He always shot his mouth off. He always did dumb things over and over again. And so most of us should say immediately, I should be renamed Peter. I can relate to a guy like Peter. The failings of life of letting down the Lord over and over again and I found it interesting as I was thinking through this this imagery over and over again. 
uh, this is the conversation that Jesus had with Peter. It says, when they, they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And he has this conversation back and forth. And I find it fascinating that there's all kinds of lambs in the Old Testament. There's picture, there's imagery, shepherding, lambs, us being that. And now, as Jesus goes to one of his disciples and identifies his people, what does he identify them as? Lambs. And I'd just say it this way. The, the precious lamb was given for lambs. For us, his sheep, his wandering sheep, his, his uh, you know, at-risk sheep, if I, if I could say it that way. And all these arrows point to Jesus. All these arrows point to him. And as you think about this, you know, uh, we, we struggle with this imagery and uh, we say, why, why is it that Jesus took the demeanor of a lamb why would he allow himself to be, be slaughtered? I, I remember speaking to someone just in the community. I heard him talking, a uh, young man, and he said, you know, I, I just can't believe in Jesus because if I was the king, I'd never let him do that to me. Uh, it, it seems uh, counterintuitive that, that he would come as a lamb. But, but I want, it, want you to get this last picture. There, there are other pictures of Jesus, identifications where he is the, the lion. But um, I want to read to you this last passage. It's not up on the screen, but is it? Do you have the Revelation passage? Oh, yes, it is. I, I want to I tell you something. Uh, when you go to the book of Revelation, Genesis, first book, Revelation, last book, it's not necessarily chronological order, but the first book is the book of beginnings. Revelation is the book of the end, okay? The book of the end. Um, in, in the book of Revelation, 30 times, this lamb is mentioned, 30 times. And it keeps referring to him as the lamb. There's this identification, right? In the Old Testament, it's the lamb, you know, he, he, this is what it's going to happen. A sacrificial lamb, it's going to happen. And in the New Testament, you see Jesus coming and John saying, there he is. There he is. We, we also see the implications of that for the early church that, that, you know, that he is not the one, the lamb that is to come. He's the sacrifice lamb. He is our sacrifice. And now he says, you know, we're lamb we're, we're a bunch of sheep, lamb, lambs together, okay? But then you look to the book of Revelation and you realize this. It says, uh, they will make war on the lamb. This is end times type things. There's a bunch of passages that describe it and it always points to Jesus. They will make war on the lamb. The lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of Lord, the King of Kings, and those with him are called chosen and faithful. I just want to point out one thing. Um, that, and I love this. I, I read it and I go, oh, that's a good way to think of this. Who is Jesus? He's the conquering lamb. He's the conquering lamb. Don't you love that? That, that you know, when you think of a lamb and you, you think of the slaughter, the butcher of, uh, of the lambs of the Old Testament, and you look at... Uh, 
it's not that he was helpless, but as he went to the cross, he, you, you realize that men put him on the cross and he was nailed there. He died and, and, you, and you say, well, it just doesn't seem like the win, right? But you look to the uh, book of Revelation, passages like this, and you realize this one thing, that he's the conquering lamb. And as we have trusted in Christ, we too are connected with the winning team, the one that is the conqueror, the victor, but it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of him laying down his life for me and you. That's what I wanted to share with you this morning. Let me pray. God, thank you for this morning. And uh, God, I, I realize that there's much more that can be said, but I, I pray that this uh, would stir our hearts to think more about your son, Jesus, that we would connect uh, our doings, the things that we talk about, the things that we think the steps that we take, that we would connect it with the Lamb that gave up His life, that was sacrificed on our behalf, but that one day in the end will be the conquering Lamb, that because of His victory, we too will have victory. God, thank You for this morning. Uh, Help us with the messes we've created in our lives. Uh, Help us to walk faithfully with You this week. Um, Give us strength to say no to sin and say yes to following Uh, and walking with you. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.